Have you ever wondered what it would be like to generate a semi-passive income from a business that you love and bought with little to none of your own money? How would it feel if you could finally buy that restaurant, salon, or any business for that matter without having to worry about where you were going to get the money from? Think of the lifestyle that would provide for you, your family, and even your retirement. These are the results that my good friend Egg Hills provides at his company, Beyond Breakeven. He provides world-class coaching on how to structure leverage buyouts for any business so that you can buy it without putting your own personal credit or net worth at risk. He's bought and sold over 25 companies personally over the course of his career and structured many more deals on the behalf of clients. And now he wants to help you learn over 100 ways to buy a business with none of your own money. And he also wants to teach you how to earn a six-figure income, helping others do that exact same thing. So if you're ambitious and interested in buying a business with none of your own money, visit ProfitArchitects.com and give that number on the page a call or fill out the request info form and they'll get back to you. Make sure you mention referral code MEMS for a special offer. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast, where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beast of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett, all to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. All right, Pastor Moses, I have been waiting for this podcast episode since basically we created the podcast. <laughs> um, and the reason why this episode is so important in comparison to our other episodes is because I think we're going to be talking about a subject that a lot of people in entrepreneurship and business don't necessarily cover so much. And that's the spiritual aspect yes. of entre- entrepreneurship and being in business. And not only that, you come from a small town in Macon, Georgia, and you quickly were able to grow, you know, this church, Faith Movers Church, into several hundred members. And I believe that a lot of people might not necessarily see you as an entrepreneur, but I know that you have entrepreneurial skills. So this is something that I definitely wanted to cover uh, for all our viewers, for all our listeners, um, because we feel like... um, being, bringing God into business is such an important aspect yeah, of is. business. So that's what we're going to be covering. So, so glad to have you on, Pastor Moses. Well, first, let me just say, I'm just so honored to be on with you all. I'm just so proud of everything that you all are doing. I'm just honored to be your pastor and just knowing your journey and where God has brought you all from. And just to see what you're doing, your entrepreneurship spirit. I absolutely love it. So I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. And I think it's just so um, awesome how you connect the entrepreneurship to spirituality because they're not separate. I think you can put them together and get a lot of great results, even in your business. And so I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So did you want to start with the first question? Yep. So we always have to start off before we get into the meat and potatoes of the whole podcast. Like how did you get started? And usually we say business, but how did you get started in like this whole journey? Well, you know, my story is very unique because oftentimes, you know, as it relates to finding your calling or your purpose, sometimes, you know, people have to grow into it. They could be doing something and over a period of time, they realize, 
I think it's what I'm called to do. Sometimes people kind of stumble into it. You know, they try some and say, I tried that or I was doing it for a little bit. I absolutely love it. That's my calling. But for me, I was different. From the time I was a young child, I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, my father, he was a pastor. So I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. So I grew up in the church. You know, for me, church was not optional. It was something you had to do or right. you're going to get in big trouble. <laughs> so I always grew up in the church. But I never forget when I first saw preaching and I was old enough to really understand and comprehend what it was, I automatically knew that's what I wanted to do. And I remember hearing my father preach and hearing other ministers preach. I would immediately, oftentimes at the church, I would go home, go to our living room. I would close the door. I would get one of my uh, mother's robes, you know, and make it a church robe, a pastor's robe. And I would have church in the living room by myself. I'll go through the whole service. I was the choir. I was the <laughs> praise team. I was I, I was the preacher. I raised the offering. I, count, I did everything by myself. Preached the sermon because I was just so fascinated by the whole thing of preaching and just ministering. And so from five years old, it's all what I always what I wanted to do. And as I got older, that hunger and that fire only grew more. Yeah. You know, some people around me thought, okay, just a little phase he's going through. When he gets 13, he'll stop. I was 17 years old, still having church by myself. <laughs> and so it was when I turned 18 years old that I finally really just kind of gave in and said, I know I'm young. I know I got a lot of life ahead of me, but this is what I want to do. I might as well just jump in and do it. So I started preaching at 18 years old. I started preaching. I preached my first sermon, sermon the third Sunday in July, um, July the 18th, by 1999. I preached my first sermon. And so it's what I always wanted to do. And so now as I continue to preach, I'll end up going to Morehouse for a year in Atlanta, Georgia. And I end up going to Bible College, Beulah Heights University in Atlanta. And so to get the proper training for it. And then I ended up taking a venture down the road, pastoring after I got married and getting my um, MDM. And so after all of that, you know, doing what I'm doing now is always what I wanted to do, which is very unique because oftentimes you have to grow into it. But I think sometimes God will allow you at an early age to be able to discover that call. And uh, I'm grateful for that because I was able to save a lot of years of wandering and searching, you know, to be able to know at an early age and just kind of study the craft, to kind of learn the craft. So at 18, I was uh, pretty more polished than the average 18 would be yeah. because I've been studying this since I was five years old, so yeah. it's natural. So that's kind of my preaching journey and uh, kind of how I got started doing what I'm doing. And I, and to be honest with y'all, I still have the same passion for preaching that I had when I was five years old. Yeah. I'm still a lover of the Word of God. I'm still a lover of preaching. You know, in my spare time, I love to just listen to preaching. I go on YouTube, kind of hear a lot of my favorite speakers, hear them speak and preach. I just love it because it's always just a part of who I am. Absolutely. And um, a couple good nuggets I got out of there. Um, there's this quote that says that it takes about 10,000 hours in order to master a craft. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that the earlier you start a craft, yes. the quicker you can get to that 10,000 hours. Right. So by the time you were 18, you probably got in your, uh, right. your 10,000 hours already. I did. Um, I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I was really curious about is because um, there, I feel like there's a wave of uh, entrepreneurial entrepreneurs that's coming along and they're millennials and they're very, very young and there can be an intimidation 
um, in starting something when you're very young because, you know, uh, one thing I went through is like, oh man, are people going to believe that I'm credible, that I actually do this, that I know what I'm talking about? Is that something that you struggled with at all when you were 18? And if so, uh, how did you really overcome that? Because I know there's a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm young and I know I can do this, but do, does my, you know, do my people believe or right. do, do the people that I'm trying to, you know, talk to really believe that? Absolutely. You know, being 18, you still have a whole lot of life to live. And so the challenge for me was being young and preaching. Because a lot of times when I was preaching, I was preaching to people who were 10 times older than me. Yeah. They were older to be my mama, my daddy. Sometimes they were older to be my grandparents. And so I'm trying to preach and tell you what you ought to do with your life. Does say of the yeah. Lord. <laughs> what you going to tell me about life? Right, right. But what I learned is, as you said earlier, you know, about the 10,000 hours in order to be an expert at something. I think that's why excellence is so important that um, when you do things, you just don't do it to do it. But if you do it with a level of excellence, if you do it with a level of paying attention to details, and if you're excellent in it, people recognize that. No matter how old you are, if you're excellent, it speaks for itself. And so I tried the best of my ability to be as excellent as possible in those preaching moments. I studied hard. I, I researched hard. I wanted um, to be well-spoken. I tried the best of my ability to have that sense of excellence that people would take me seriously, that they would, they would understand I'm not just rambling or just kind of coming off the top of my head, but I've actually studied the Bible. I know what I'm talking about. So that alone gives you a little, a little bit of credibility. But then second, I would say, I tried to also create confidence. You may be able to call it faith because I was a nervous wreck during those times, 18, nervous, I don't want to mess up. Uh, and so just having to have the confidence to believe that God called me to do this, that whatever God called you to do, he will also equip you to do it. Faithful is he that called you who will also do it. So if God called me to do something, he'll give me the grace He'll give me the ability, if you will, to be able to do it and to do it with excellence. Now, of course, I have a role to play. And that's God. He'll give me the grace. He'll give me that level of grace to do it. But I got to put in my work. I got to right. put that time of study in to make sure that my presentation is uh, excellent. And so that really helped me out a lot. And that's something that was always growing. Because even now, I still still struggle to try to be as excellent as possible. And um, now as I'm pastoring, preaching, weekly, sometimes four times a week, um, you know, that's not easy, you know, and yeah. the Bible doesn't change, you know, yeah, the right. stories stay the same. So it's right. like, how can I make this relevant and interesting? So it takes a level of excellence in order to do that. And that helps build that confidence, even at an early age. That's awesome. And um, you actually kind of hit on one of the points that we were curious about was like, when we see you up there doing your thing, there's no like sense that he would possibly be nervous <laughs> doing this at all. So is is that the main way that you kind of overcome that nervousness is just by that preparation or are there other things that you do as well? Well, there's other things because the reality is sometimes you can be as prepared as possible, but that won't necessarily 
killed, sometimes the nervousness or the anxiousness that you have. I believe if somebody's doing something and they're never nervous, they're never, they're, they're never anxious, I think something could be wrong. Because I think <laughs> if you really care about what you're doing yeah. and if you really want to be effective at what you're doing, then you ought to have a little sense of, you know, I'm not saying fear, but I'm saying just a little bit of healthy anxiety, right. healthy yeah. nervousness. Sometimes I learn you do your best sometimes when you're most nervous. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. It pushes you, you know, yeah. to say I'm going to do it. And so what I like to do also is not only being prepared, but just having time of prayer to kind of build my faith, time of prayer and preparation. And I try to keep my motives pure too, because I also understood if I'm doing this for me, if I'm doing this to build my self-esteem, if I'm doing this to make it about me, then, you know, uh, a lot could go wrong. Or, yeah. you know, if it doesn't go the way I think it should go, then I'm all feeling some kind of way. But I always try to keep my motives pure by remembering I'm doing all I'm doing unto God, that I have to be obedient to do what God tells me to do, say what God tells me to say, um, even in decisions making. I got to make decisions that God is leading me to make. If I do that, that gives me the confidence, well, God, you will take care of it. Because if yeah. you told me to do it, then I got to trust you with the results. I can't control the results. And that's so important to know. When you prepare, you took some time for meditation, you know, to build your faith and all of that. And when it's time for presentation, when it's time to actually do it, oftentimes you have to say to God, God, I've done all I can. Now I got to leave the results in your hands. And most of the time I'm okay with that. Even if I feel like the results are not what I want. I have to trust that, you know, God, you know what you're doing. I've had times that I've preached a message and I finished preaching like, oh, could it be a better today? Then somebody will come and greet me and say, crying, that message changed my life. I was thinking about losing my mind and that word helped me. I'm like, thank you, God. Okay. I, 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 I remember now, it ain't about me. It ain't about what I'm doing, it's about you. So that really helps, it makes a difference. And, and that's such an excellent, uh, thing just because I, I actually I was when I was studying public speaking uh, one of the great points that I did get from it was like don't make it about you when you <laughs> make it about you that's when the panic really starts you to set, set yourself in up. and uh, you really make it about your mission and what God ha has for you and um, the gift that he's instilled in you yes. so I, I really like that point and then following up on that, um, I want to go back a little bit to like your very first sermon. Like, uh -huh. what did that look like? How did you even get there? And did you come into that first sermon the same way you come in today? That's a good question. Well, my very first sermon was a sermon I preached from Romans 8, 18. I never forget it. I talked about it's worth going through. And I kind of talked about how the things you go through in life, at the end of the, all of the journey of going through it all, you're going to realize it was worth going through because it led to something greater for you in your life. And so that was kind of the gist of what I talked about. And really the same approach that I use at 18 is the same approach I use now. I remember I was just nervous about that first message. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted people to have a level of respect for me. I didn't think it's a young kid trying out on us. I wanted them to know that, you know, okay. You know, they probably going to see I had some more work to do, but at least respect what I was trying yeah. to do. So kind of like I do now, I kind of took some time of prayer, some time of studying and just trying to see, oh, what is it you want me to say? And oftentimes, it just comes to you, really. Sometimes I know you can't force it. Sometimes you can't say, ah, I'm trying to get it out. Sometimes it's just when you're just chilling. Sometimes it's when you're just kind of like 
driving, if it just hits you. That's it. That's the theme. Or you may be on a verse already. You may be kind of be tripping on a little bit, reading the verse. Ah, yeah, yeah. You kind of let it sit cold. Then just going through your regular day and it just hits. This is your theme. And then you go into the study and preparation. So that's how that first sermon was. I remember I was just kind of just out chilling one day. I had kind of read that verse in Romans 8.18. You know, Romans 8 is one of my favorite uh, chapters in the whole Bible. So I kind of read that. And that verse 18 kind of stood out to me. So I'm just chilling, going through my day. And then all of a sudden, it, that, that theme came up in my mind. It's Wolf And I kind of got my title first. And I said, I think that's it. And so I went back in the Word and I studied it and tried to mesh the two together. And um, it turned out okay. And then, but I still do that now. So, you know, now as a pastor, I preach more in sermon series, which is like a group of messages that's kind of sitting around a theme. But even that, you know, like in the beginning of each year, I kind of do my calendar for the whole year. And so in doing that, I try like kind of like try to get away a little bit, take a week of just complete, complete relaxation, chilling, so that I can kind of focus and relax my mind to kind of get some things that God wants me to say, pray about it, of course, let them speak to me. So I understand, okay, in January, I talk about this. February, I'm gonna talk about this. March, I talk about this, and kind of leaving that room for God to speak those specific words and then just go through my same regimen of preparation. But it's, it's, it's the same thing, though. You have to hear from God. And I can just be honest. If you're going to do uh, this line of work and ministry, you have to be able to hear from God. Because like I say, it's not about you. I can always just pull some out of the sky. So I talk about this today. But it's not going to be effective if that grace, you know, if God's hand is not on it, it's not going to come off as, as smooth as possible. So I learned to trust God. If I feel that God wants me to speak something at this time, I do it. And I leave, and I leave, leave some, some, some room, some flexibility. So like I said, I already have my calendar for preaching for the whole year. However, if I'm in August and something hits me, you know what? I got to change this. I'm doing something yeah. that I've done that before. I call staff and say, listen, that graphic you made, kill it. I got another one. <laughs> yeah. Give me another graphic. We're doing this. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, what the world's going through, or what my church may be going through. Yeah. Something happened. I got, you know, I got to hit. This is hot right now. I got to hit it yeah. to, be, to be able to be relevant to, um, you know, hit them right when it's time. So that's important. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really good lesson for a lot of entrepreneurs is that you, surrender your plan for what God has for you. Yes. And I feel like planning is something that's really, really crucial, very important. important. Um, Jasmine is more so the planner in our business, but there's even been times where we planned something and we we had to plan to like the T, the, the details, but then God will kind of throw something at us. And honestly, it's better to work with that, with what God has thrown at us, because like you said, if he wants you to do something, he's going to equip you to do just that. And that's something that I feel like I've struggled with in the past. Like just knowing that God has prepared me for different things, but every, every single time I think back to the times that I, you know, went through something and really got through it and not only got through it, but came out on the other side better is all because even if I didn't know it, God prepared me to do 
what I was actually doing. And I think entrepreneurs really need to take note of that. Joseph, that's so important in entrepreneurship because sometimes you can have a great plan and you need to plan, don't get me wrong. It's critical that you are organized, that you're planning for the future, anticipating needs, all that is important. But there are times where, I like to say oftentimes you gotta call an honorable, you know, in sports, a quarterback yeah. goes to the line and based on what he sees in the defense, mm-hmm. he changed the play. It's called an honorable. He said, we was gonna do a running play, but the way the defense set up, if I do this running play, they're gonna, they're gonna get me. So all of all that, you know, you have a little signal, yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, yeah. and they know that means to pass. Same as in life, same as in business. You may be doing one thing, but the market may change, or yeah. this may change, and you can't be so rigid or so beholden to what you worked on that you can't make a change. Oftentimes you have to be flexible, you have to have people around you, which is difficult. You have to train people around you to be flexible. They have yeah. to know that we're not married to nothing. We're not going to marry anything that's going to be so important to us that if it had to be taken from us, oh, that crushed me. I worked so hard on it. The goal is not to get fulfillment out of working hard on something. The goal is to win. The goal is to get results. The goal is to be effective. So whatever I got to do, a quarterback can get to the line and says, Oh, I want to run this play so bad. It's running play. We don't practice it so much. Knowing that if I run it, it's not going to be effective. Right. I can't be beholden to that play. I got to change it because I want to win. I want to get to the next level. Same as entrepreneurship, same in life. You've got to have a level of flexibility to know if I'm going right, if it requires to go left, I'll go left in a minute. And I think about it. You have yeah. to have that kind of mentality. Yeah. That's crucial. And when we heard your story before, it sounded like you had a lot of moments like where you just had to do what God told you to do instead of what you wanted to do. So um, can you talk about some of those moments and like how, what what was that gap between, you know, 18 and faith workers? Like what what was that journey? Well, that journey was interesting because like I say, at 18, I, uh, you know, was preaching. And it was the summer summer before my first semester in college. So, you know, I'm going into college a preacher. Can't have no fun now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all my, you know, the college is your fun years, you yeah. know. I can't have fun. I'm seeing people partying and all of that. And like, it sure look fun, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I tried to be an example so you can't, you know, have all the fun you want to have. And so, but I knew that it was a call on my life. And eventually I knew that it was more than just preaching. You know, I knew that that call was pastoring, was giving leadership and oversight over people in an organization. So that's why I left Morehouse my first year. I went to Beulah Heights. It was a Bible college in order to greater prepare myself for that transition. And so uh, after I graduated from college, uh, my wife, who was my high school sweetheart, uh, we met in high school, Lucretia, and we were still dating. And I was going to school in Georgia. She was going to school in Florida. So we had some drama, you know, that long distant relationship was full of drama. But by the time I graduated, uh, we both had kind of self, she had one more year and I was telling her that, you know, I'm going to work, try to do some ministry stuff. And after you get through, you know, this one final year, I'm going to go right into marriage. Let's do it. And so uh, we did that. I finished up my college degree did some work in ministry. She had one more year. And as soon as she finished in October, we immediately ended up getting married. Then when we got married, it kind of was a whole other dynamic because now I'm married and now I was working in, uh, I was working in insurance. Now I'm not called to sell insurance and nothing wrong with selling insurance, but I told you at five years old, I'm called to preach. But sometimes in life, you have to do some things while you're in the holding pattern. And that's so important. And some people are not willing to do that, but I had a wife, 
fuck just married too. I gotta try to take care of her, provide yeah. for her. So I had to do what I had to do. So we ended up, the job I was at in Macon, um, I was able to be transferred to Temple, Florida. And so she was teaching her first year in school and she had taught six months. And I come to her and say, I know you ain't finished the year yet, but I, I need to go to Florida because, and she's like, what? <laughs> I can't quit my job. My first year, this is my first teaching assignment. Yeah. I don't want no bad stuff on my record. I said, I know, but an opportunity has come to go to Temple, Florida, and I really feel it's what God wants us to do. And so she said, all right, I'll do it. And that's the first time, in a sense, that we made a faith move on a smaller scale. I've learned a lot about her because it was the first time that she kind of had belief in me that, you know, if you say God leading you here, we'll go. And uh, that's important because down the road, that's going to be real big for us. And so we moved to Tampa and catch this, we was in Tampa for six months. Then all of a sudden, God started to speak again. Um, you got one degree. Now it's time for you to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, go to Oral Roberts University, and I want you to get a Master's of Divinity degree to better prepare yourself for ministry. She's now found a teaching job in Florida, about to finish the first year. I come to her again and say, baby, I know we've been for six months. I know you taught half a year in Georgia. You just finished the other half in Florida. You finished the first year of teaching. Well, I now believe the Lord is telling me to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, because I got to go back to school to finish my degree. So she's like, we don't know nobody in Tulsa. They never been in Tulsa but cows. What are we going to do in Tulsa? That's the country. And so we talked through that. And once again, she said, well, God told you to do it. Let's just go. And I never forget, this is a crazy story. We did a trip to Tulsa to try to look for what we we're going to do. Now, at that time, I had quit working at Geico, the insurance company, because I said, no, I'm prepared to go to Tulsa. She looking for a job in Oklahoma. We didn't have nothing. And at that time, the, the admissions process was taking so long. So we decided, by faith, let's just get a little money we have. Let's go get a flight to go to Tulsa. Let me just see what's going on. Let's see if we like the place. Let's see what's, how can we find a place. We went to Tulsa. The first stop was at Oral University. I went to the admission office. I said, hey, I'm Moses Heron. I've been trying to, you know, get admitted here. I haven't heard that from nobody. She, and the lady said to me, I was just looking at your file. Stay right here. <laughs> All right, she comes back 10 minutes later. You know what? We just approve you to be accepted to the program. Wow. And matter of fact, we'll give you a little scholarship. I said, well, praise God. I said, really? She said, yeah, we'll do it. I said, well, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. I'm all happy. Then uh, my wife, Lucretia, says, you know what? Drive to this address. It's the Board of Education in Tulsa. Let me see if they have any openings. We went to the Board of Education in Tulsa. She meets this lady and they talk to her. And all of a sudden they say, we really need a special education teacher. They talked to her for about 30 minutes, interviewed her on the spot. They offered her the job. You can have a job here in Tulsa. At that point, I said, well, okay. I got to admit to college, a little scholarship. Right. Got a little financial aid. You got you a job. Let's look for apartments. Right. So we said, oh, no, we would just come to see the city. God is moving like this. So we go find us apartment. The place we found was running a deal. You get two months free off the first two months. We'll take it because we can just I know, right? we gotta figure out how we're gonna do this. So yeah. give God some time to work. We did that. We went back to Temple, Florida, with me in school. She got a job and a place to stay. 
and That's literally right. like in a month, we transitioned, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, start working there. We was there in Tulsa for about two years. Now, all of these are a series of faith moves that we have to make. When I finished Tulsa, uh, about the last year of my graduate program, I'm concerned again. I'm like, God, I'm about to graduate. She's teaching. I don't told this girl, you sent me here. What's the next step? I need an opportunity. And so, you know, I was sending out resumes at different churches that were vacant to see if anybody would let me do it. And I got a couple of interests in New York. I got a couple of interests in Texas. But right when I didn't really know what to do, uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor E. Dewey Smith, uh, he was pastoring in Atlanta, Georgia. He called me out of the blue one day and just said, hey, Moses, uh, there's a church in Chicago. Um, I've been preaching there for the past 13 years annually, and it just happened to need a pastor. Um, you know, their former pastor, you know, they, they couldn't see eye to eye, so they ended up going separate ways. But they asked me for a recommendation, and the first person came to mind was you. I think you would be perfect for this church. Creesha, can we talk? <laughs> so once again, I'm telling her, in Oklahoma, hey, there's an opportunity for us to go to Chicago, to the, to the Chicago area. We ain't never been to Chicago area a day in our lives, wow. never. So we end up saying, all right, you know, we went to the church a couple of times, preached. They ended up offering me the pastor of that church. So once again, we make another faith. We're moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma. She has to stop doing her job. She found a job here in Chicago. And I'm coming pastoring the first church, my first real major church. It was a nice-sized church. I'm pastoring this church, whole different environment, in Chicago, no family, just doing what God did. And it was in that first church I was pastoring that, you know, God really blessed. He was able to really preach every week now. I'm developing. I'm learning a lot of leadership skills on the spot because I didn't know I knew how to preach, but I didn't know how to really, you know, lead an organization. Right. So I'm learning a lot of this on the spot. We're starting to grow our family. We get two kids now. Hannah, my oldest, MJ was just born. I had been there for three and a half years. This is funny. The church was growing on the outside, but behind the scenes, there was an internal struggle between myself and some of the core leadership team because this was a more of a traditional church, a more of established church. I'm coming in out of college. I'm radical. I'm creative. Yeah. I want to do a whole lot of different stuff and outreach. And they're like, hey, slow down. We ain't trying to do all that. You're young, slow down. I'm like, I got to go now. So we couldn't get it together. And so I'm like, what's going on? The church is growing. It's this field, but I ain't got no peace. I'm not happy. Yeah. There's more in me. And so I prayed about it. And I talked to my wife. And now we got two little kids. I think Helen may have been about, she may have been about four. And my son, Moses Jr., was about two years old. And um, I said, baby, I really believe that, you know, the Lord is telling me to step away from this church and for me to go and begin a ministry and do ministry the way God wants me to do it. Now, at that time, because the church had grown, we had developed a little bit, she had stopped teaching, and she was kind of like a, a full-time mom taking care of the kids. And so I was carrying the house, our insurance, two little kids carrying the bills. I'm coming to her, telling her I need to step away from everything, the income, health insurance, yeah. and start this ministry that I really feel that God wants me to do something that's different, something that's real relevant, something we can do a lot of outreach. I just feel I need to start this up. We ain't got no money. How are we going to do it? I just believe God will provide for us, you know? We'll get it organized. And I'm a real big picture person. My wife, she's really into the details. So, like, I'm, I can give you a big picture or something. So the whole time, she's crazy. Like, we got to put some details to this. And so she began to put some details to it. You know, we brought a vision. I never forget June 5th. 
about 2011, I told the church, that, hey, you know, I'm so thankful for all you have done for me and my family. I've enjoyed leading this organization, but I just believe God's calling me to do something different. And out of respect to the history of this church and all that you've done, I want to just politely and respectfully step away. I want to just do what God's leading me to do. That's all I said. Said that, stepped away. Everybody was kind of shocked. What's going on? What's going on? Everybody, what are you going to do? You're going back to Georgia. I said, no, the Lord's telling me to, you know, stay here. I said, you know, just look out for my social media page and I'll tell you what to do next. And that's all I did. I never mentioned it to anybody that publicly. Then the next day on social media, I told uh, on social media, I'll be at Bloom High School um, next Sunday um, if anybody is interested in coming. I believe God's put something on my heart. And so that week, me and my wife were terrified. Man, this is our big faith move. Now, we're we losing our salary, our insurance, two little babies. How are we going to do it? Will this work? What if nobody shows up? We homeless. Will nobody show up? We only got a little bit of money left. We run out of that real quickly. How are we going to survive? I'll never forget that first service in Bloom High School. We began Faith Movers Church, the very first service. Because of that faith move, what I like to call it, obeying God, we stepped out. And in that gym was about about 500 to 700 people in that gym on that very first service. Wow. And when I walked out on the stage, because I was in the back, so I didn't see what was going on. I told everybody, don't tell me nothing. I just, just going to pray until it's time to come on stage and just greet the people. And uh, they said, Pastor, it's time. And when I walked on stage, everybody just, they were going crazy, like, <laughs> like there was something in the air. They was ready for something new and fresh. And I went up there and I told them my vision, God's called me to this church, going to be called Faith Movers Church. We're going to do things different, do things radical. And that was the birth of Faith Movers Church. That's how we started back in 2011 in June, Blue High School. Me and my wife didn't know how we was going to make it. We saw those people. We were like, thank you, Jesus. I think you're going to be all right. Then from that was a whole lot of planning and organization. Because that first Sunday, we got about maybe about 300 to 400 people who said they want to be a part of the church. So off the bat, now we got a whole church now. We got to organize. We ain't got a building. We need got a keyboard. got nothing. We have to figure out how to handle this. They gave the first offering. So now we got to manage this. And so we were just going like crazy until we was eventually able to build up to what you see now, Faith Movers Church. But I say all of that to say, if you notice, it's all started. Um, really for me, when I was at Morehouse, when God said, make a move to be Heights. Then from that, you know, hey, move the Tampa. From that, hey, move the Tulsa. From that, move to Chicago. From that, leave your first church, start Faith Moves. It was a series of Faith Moves yeah. that was all leading to this big move to begin this this movement, I like to call Faith Movers Church, that you see today, that are touching thousands of people, blessing people, and uh, I'm just so grateful for it that I was able to do it. Was it easy? I ain't gonna tell you that I was just, yeah. ooh, man, there were times me and my wife, I thought she was gonna leave me. I thought she was gonna crazy. She gonna say, I'm just crazy. But you know, like a wild dream you have, just obeying God the whole time, yeah. it really paid off. Wow. I didn't mean to tell my whole story, but no, just, I don't know. No, that's, that's, well, that's what we it, need. It, it, it kind of got good. Just telling yeah, you, it, it, it did get good because I never, I never heard the the whole story in just like one piece. Yeah, and like when you added detail to it, it, it just it, it really inspired me because what I hear is that like before God trusts you with a lot, he's going to trust you with a little bit. Yes. And it's something in my life that's extremely, extremely relevant just because, you know, I, we started our company in October. 27. Yeah, October of 2017. 
And it's something that has just continually snowballed over the course of time. And it's like, you have all these big visions, but it starts with a small seed at times. And and it's something I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs kind of um, underestimate the the importance of small beginnings. Yes, you know, the Bible speaks about that. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Oftentimes you say it's starting seed form and it grows, but you have to be able to go through the process. And a lot of times I had no idea what was going on. Back when I was in making moving to Florida, I didn't know about no faith movies. <laughs> never, never been to Chicago. We we're thinking about Chicago. Yeah. Never, never been here. All I knew was that good times was filmed in Chicago. That's all I knew <laughs> right. from Chicago, good times. So, uh-huh. And Michael Jordan, the Bulls, you know, <laughs> sports. And I'm, I love sports. That's all I knew. But God knew the plan. But he didn't start me at Chicago. He didn't even start me at faith movies. So I got to Chicago. He started me with a ministry first to get my feet wet to get me in, ingrained in leadership so that when I started faith movement, I have something to work with. So you're 100% right. Like, it's a snowball effect, but you have to be willing to go through the process. I see oftentimes entrepreneurs, they get discouraged and they allow that discouragement to make them stop in the middle of the process. But sometimes you got to be patient and there are times you got to make your faith move. You got to be willing to sell the phone for what you believe in. And um, we... Did it a couple of times. I had to say, you know, if this don't work, we're done. But we're going to leap and try it because we believe that God's calling us to do this. Yeah, that's really excellent. Yes. And I appreciate hearing that that whole story yeah. in its entirety. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to ask about, like, so you have, like, your, the loyalty that people have for you is, like, crazy like you have people volunteering including us <laughs> when it's like cold outside yeah. passing out food you, you have people here every single week coming here yeah. like it's work yes. to, to pass out food to help the community um you just have people that are so loyal to you and then like your staff too they are like absolutely amazing yeah, yeah. how did you like did you find them or like your staff or did they find you? How did you build up that, that team? Well, I'll tell you, the building a team in uh, business or any organization is a very, probably one of the toughest things you'll do because building a team, your team will either make you or they will break you. And there's a lot of elements to a team. But I think first and foremost, you have to get a team that can be a reflection of you. Because if you choose people around you, that's not a reflection of you. They don't understand your vision. They can't under can't comprehend it. They don't have the same spirit and the same energy and passion that you have for it. Uh, it will, it will end up hurting you because at some level, you have to trust your vision in other people's hands. You can't do everything. It's a fact of life that sometimes in order to expand and do your capacity and grow, you have to be able to raise other people up and be able to say, I got to entrust that you will do this the right way. So now that comes with a lot of uh, training that comes with a lot of being able to get to know people. So like we talk about our um, volunteers, we call them the faithfuls, you know, here at FMC, we have a whole lot of people, but I think that started that we was in bloom. You know, I used to always preach about outreach because I knew that as I'm starting this organization, 
my vision has to be ingrained in everybody. I have to let them know that what kind of church this is going to be because they can't determine that. I have to determine that. I, I am the one that invited them to be a part of this vision. And so I will always say, you know, God has called us not to just do ministry on the inside. we got to go on the outside. I will always preach about that, talk about that. And then I start giving them opportunities to begin to practice what they preach. And so, you know, the Bible says faith come by hearing. Uh, the more you hear something, the more it gets ingrained in you. So I would just talk it, speak it, speak it. And it built a fire in the people that it got so excited because oftentimes people are giving by nature. They want to help people. Oftentimes they lack the understanding of what it means and they lack the opportunities. So my strategy was tell them what we want to do and why we're doing it and why it's so important to serve and then give them opportunities. And when I talked about it, I always did it with passion. I always did it with fight. I was, I was never like, well, you know, we got to serve because we got to work for the Lord. You know, I was like, no, we get to serve. It's an honor to be able to be a blessing of the people. True fulfillment in life comes in serving. So sure. that kind of started a fire that built up and just kept on going. But with my staff, my team, uh, I definitely had to choose them. You know, I definitely had to choose them. And that took a time of observation because um, I'm very careful who I put around me and my team, because as I said, they got to be able to connect with me. They have to know my vision and I have to know that they're all in. And so you can't be quick to do that. You may have to go through a season of doing a whole lot by yourself until you can train somebody up, but always be in that process. And so I begin to just kind of first observe people. I will look at somebody for a while and, you know, not say nothing to him, just kind of look at me watching. Like, for example, you all, you know, I watched you all for months. I watched you all come to church. As I was preaching, I could see the intensity in your face. You, you know, you locked in, you know, you soaking that word up. Then I saw when it was time to serve, that you all would take those opportunities. You would serve, you with a good spirit. You would always smile and you was happy, honored to do it. Just watch and just saw that. And then just in due time, I, hey man, I'm seeing what you all are doing. I love it. Talking to you all, building relationships and then slowly gathering people and building them up. So that's my process. Got to first do some time of observation. You got to observe people, look at them, know their skill sets, know what they're good at, try to be able to identify their gifts. Then, secondly, I would say, it's a time of training. You have to really pour into people. Yeah. You got to tell them in a very personal way about what the vision is, what you need them to do, what you think they can do. They got to be able to hear you, smell you, know how you think. They got to learn your patterns. And you got to have a team that's flexible, you know, because you don't want a team that's going to ask you as the, as the chief visionary to adjust towards them. You want a team that will adjust towards you. So I get my team, they understand that, well, you know, pastor, he's spontaneous. That's how he is. Now, I'm not going to kill and stop my spontaneity because you can't handle it. I'm not going to adjust towards you. you my team. You're going to have to adjust towards me right. and just always kind of be ready to know, hey, I can't be married in that Anytime that God speaks, you got to be ready to go. So you got you to train that in the people. Build that team of people who can flow like that. And then for me, once again, excellence is very important. Not just in preaching, but just in how we handle the organization, how we deal with people, how we greet people. People come to the organization I want them to feel excellence. I want greeters, people waving, people happy to have them. All of that is a part of training people and let them know, demanding that we have to have it. If you're going to be on the team, you've got to operate like that. So that time of observation, that time of training, then finally I would just say, 
implementation. Just, you know, allowing them to go out and do what they do. They have to have some time of coaching. You know, if they don't do it right, I can't throw them away. Got to try to coach them. And so allowing them to use their gifts with the understanding of, I know the flow, I know the vision, I know my expectations, and, you know, I'm going to be doing. So I also going to choose proven people. You're going to have to be proven at some level. I got to know that your spirit is right, that you're a good-hearted person before I can bring you on the team because my team is everything. Because I can't do everything by myself at this level. I got to entrust some people to do it. But if you choose the wrong team, you can be doing good on your end, but be getting killed on the back end. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm not growing. Why my business is not doing good? Because it ain't you. It's your team that's destroying the things behind you. So you have to be very um, conscious of that team. So we have what we call here the four C's. That's character, capability, chemistry, and coachable. I call it the four C's. Everybody on my team, number one, you got to have character. This is a church. You know, you got to be spiritual. You can't be around here cussing people out. You can't be around here going off on people. And yes, you're going to run into some people who could be a little crazy. You got to show them love. You got to be kind. You got to have character. For the most part, you know, walk in integrity to the best. Nobody's perfect, but walk in integrity. Have a good heart. So character is important. Capability. I need you to be able to do what we're asking you to do and be able to do it effectively. You can have all the character in the world, but if you can't get the job done, then you're not going to be effective. So some level of capability, being a third one is so important, chemistry. And to that day, I kind of struggle with this now because anytime you bring a lot of people into a room, you're going to have some dynamics of relationships. You got to have (laughs) chemistry. It's going to be hard to keep chemistry. So you have to always work at chemistry, having a unified team, people that can get along. And that's a challenge sometimes. People have different personalities and everybody don't want to always bend in to somebody else's personality. So we try to train our team, have chemistry, be able to get along with other people and the people you serve, connect with them. And the last one is being coachable being able not to be so sensitive that if you need to be redirected, if you need to be, hey, that wasn't done right, that you can receive that and you want to coach, you want to be better. I think all of that is a part of team dynamics and building the right team. I believe so too. And I and I really like the chemistry aspect of yeah. it too, just because now that me and Jasmine actually have like a couple of employees now, yes. uh, that's something that we try to hone in on very quickly because yes. for us specifically, um, God kind of guided us a lot because um, there was a time where we hired, made a hiring decision right. that we probably shouldn't have made, yeah. but that that person kind of decided to leave on their own. But That's it was a blessing. Yeah. Like, it, it really, it really <laughs> was a blessing. But it was just the first time where I realized where it was like this person, he, they, extremely coachable, uh, had really, really good capabilities. I mean, they were really good at what they did. But when it came to that chemistry aspect, they they couldn't mesh well with the rest of the employees. And it's something that I feel like people underestimate how important that is. And I I think it's something where chemistry, a lot of times it's not even necessarily uh, do you and this person agree upon everything. I just think a lot of times it's like, do y'all have the same vision? Like you may be executing a little bit differently from the other person, but I think if the visions aren't aligned, then I think that's the top level of chemistry. And it's like, if we don't have the same vision, then it's like nothing else is going to work. We could like each other. And I think there's, 
I've, I've even seen business partnerships where they acted alike, they liked the same things, you know, they were really buddy buddy, but it, right. but because that vision was split, it didn't necessarily work out. So I think that's a very, very key component to uh, business that a lot of people might actually overlook. That is yeah. very important. For That's sure. very important. Another question we wanted to ask you is: you you run this. How, how many members do you have now? I know it's, I, I said several hundred, but yeah. I think I might have underestimated. No, a you know, on our role, on our official church role, because like in church, you know, um, everybody don't show up at the same time, right. and so you have members that come here, come here. But on our role now. We're probably like at 2,500 people, that, you know. So who, a couple thousand. Who members. say, yeah. you know, they're a member of Faith Movers Church. If Absolutely. you find them on the street, they'll say, hey, I'm a member of Faith Movers right, Church. Right, right. Yeah, about 2,500 people. So you're pastoring, leading a church of 2,500 people. How do you manage to keep a balance between, you know, pastoring a church, um, you know, being a friend to whoever you're friends with, being a husband to your wife, father to your children, all of these different things. And I asked this question for me personally because um, I'm one of those people, I feel like I'm a really good business owner. I'm a pretty decent husband. And then everything outside of that is like <laughs> not even barely existed. And I feel bad about it a little bit. And I mean, that's something that I'm trying to work on. So I was wondering for, you know, me and also the other entrepreneurs out there who are really good at what they do, how do they balance everything? Well, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, you're not by yourself in that <laughs> in that perspective. You know, it's hard, it's not easy. Uh, now, this is the, the real truth. Sometimes in order to build a successful organization or a successful business, it's gonna come with some sacrifice. And sometimes you have to sacrifice relationships and um, I think each person has to decide how far they're willing to go with that. Um, because I do believe it gets to a point where you can become unhealthy, that you can be so motivated to build something that you have isolated yourself from all relationships, that when you need relationships or just when you need just community outside of what you do, you lack that. Yeah. which can lead to a lot of other, a whole lot of other issues because you can't now, you can't be relational now, you can't have any outlet to breathe and just to be free and your focus is on that and that can overwhelm you. If you can't properly cope with that, you got a whole lot of problems. And so I try to have a balance in that. I understand that at the amount of what I do, the amount of people I have to give oversight to leadership that I perhaps can't be the best friend I want to be. Sometimes I can't be the best brother I want to be, the best sister I want to be, the best um, son I want to be. Uh, so that kind of, you feel bad about that. You try to do the best you can, but a lot of times you're really busy. A lot of times everybody is pulling on you. And so what I try to do is I try to intentionally set time in my schedule that's time for family intentionally do it. I have to be able to say, you know, this time right here is untouchable. Come focus on family, focus on my wife. And this time on this particular day, you know, for me, it's usually on Mondays. On Mondays, I don't want to 
go to the church. I don't want to hear from the church. <laughs> you know, I just want to spend time trying to rest, spend time going to a movie during the day with my wife, while the kids at school, get some time, go to lunch, just talk, chill. And then when the kids come home, you know, that's our time. I'm going to wrestle with you, play with you. Let's go and have some fun. So try to give them their day and make those times special. Make those times as fun as possible. You give it to them, you got to be all in. So I said, I want to be focused with them, but on my phone, no. I'm all yours. So to try to create some time to do that is really key because I need that balance. I need some a group of people to take my mind off the church. Yeah. Because if I keep my mind on it, I'm gonna end up going crazy because it'll drive you crazy. It's a lot. So I have to do that. And then as well as a friend sometimes, a lot of people took a lot of hits in those relationships, but you gotta be able to decide. You probably can't be friendly with everybody. So you have to decide which relationships are very important to you and valuable to you that you wanna be able to pour to them. Once again, you gotta make that time and say, hey, I'm hanging out. Even for my wife sometimes, you know, if you be around anybody too long, you start getting on their nerves. So it's like, <laughs> I need a break from each other. I'm just gonna go hang out with my boys. I'll be back. You hang out, hang out with your girls, you go back, you know? So those times are important, but you gotta be intentional about it because you can get so wrapped up in motivation and go to the next level that you can't forsake people. And the sad thing is sometimes the ones you forsake, you may reach a point where in your journey you will need them. Yeah. And if you have not invested in them, you can't get a return. So you got to be sure that you invest in your family, invest in friends, so that when you need to do that withdrawal, they don't mind doing that for you or being there for you because you invested that time. So it's a careful balance yeah. that you got to have. Sometimes we're so afraid, am I working hard enough? or am I working too hard? Mm-hmm. And you gotta find that balance. And oftentimes uh, when you're working, work, 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 you're probably neglecting some relationships. And yeah. sometimes when it's just fun, 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 you're probably neglecting some work. business stuff. Yeah. So you gotta find that balance to know what I gotta do, gotta be intentional about it. Yeah. It's still hard for me to this day to do it, but you gotta yeah. do it. For sure. Yeah. And I know uh, personally for me, um, I think also it's important to have those relationships with people where they kind of understand where you're at in your journey mm-hmm. and they they have enough grace to know that you're not going to be able to talk to them every that's, single day. That's important. Because yeah. I, I'm really lucky. Like, um, I know that uh, I, I, there's other entrepreneurs that I know that they started their business and, you know, all their friend relationships kind of fell apart. Right. Um, mine specifically, I, I talk to them a little bit less now, but every time I talk to them, they, you know, they encourage me because they like, you know, I saw this on Facebook. I see what you're doing, Please you know, keep, me. keep going, keep going. We'll always be here. And I, I think that's, that's something that is more valuable than all the money in the world. Just, just having true. those people, who, who encourage you even even when you're not able to invest as much time in them. Absolutely. Like, that's amazing. You've got to have that. Yes. We do need relationships. Yes, for sure. You know, we just can't work work ourselves to the ground. You have to have those outlets to where you're like, I ain't thinking about it. I'm just relaxing to rejuvenate myself, to come back and be better. And I've learned when you do that, you actually come back a little better. I'm not being, you know, I do on a smaller scale on Mondays, but, you know, Last year, I do take two weeks off. Yeah. We're just doing nothing, but just kind of focusing, relaxing. I came back a little bit more fresher. Like, mm-hmm. I can think now, because now it's so clogged up with yeah. so much sometimes. It's not good. Yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, so we do want to start wrapping it up to respect your time. Uh-huh. So um, I enjoyed it so much. I did. It was just so good. Yeah, we love it. It was. It will, will definitely have to have a part 
too. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions we want to ask is what is the number one takeaway that you want someone to walk away from this episode with? Well, thank you for asking that question because I think it's so important. You know, if you can take anything from my, from my story, um, for those who are Christians, I would really say to them, uh, understand the importance of following God being able to discern what God is speaking to you about your life. Um, a lot of my journey, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you get there? And I really can't take any credit. I got to give all glory to God because like I said, if that was the path, this path I took, I probably would have chose for myself. Yeah. I probably tried to do it a different way, which probably would end up, you know, failing. But yeah. you have to be sensitive to the voice of God because when you do that, when you obey that, that's when favor comes. Yeah. And see, that favor is that walking out on Bloom stage mm -hmm. and seeing 500 people. That's that amazing. favor is going to Tulsa, not knowing anybody, and walking away, getting into graduate school, wife having a job, having an apartment in one day. That's favor. You can't, you can't, yeah. you can't do that. You can't formulate that. But that type of favor comes with following after God. God respects faith. And when you're willing to make your faith moves because you know God is leading you to do it, I'm telling you, man, favor will hit you. So if you're a business owner and you got some in your spirit, you feel that God wants you to do, hey, I really feel like doing it, but maybe you're nervous, you're afraid. Will it work? How can I do it? I can't afford it. If it's in you, you got to step out. You got to try. When you talk to successful people, you will not talk to successful people without hearing their faith move. Yeah. I mean, from so Bill true. Gates yeah. leaving, from leaving Apple to go here, everybody has a faith move story. Dropping out of school, every Tyler Perry being homeless. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to make a faith move. You can't run from it in order to be in leadership and to be at high level of success as an entrepreneur. So I would just say that don't run from making faith moves, but make sure they're intentional. That they're not you doing it, but it's God leading. Because when you do that, you will protect yourself with favor. And that's the key word I will leave you with. You want that favor. And I do believe favor can be activated by your obedience. And so that's my story. I always stick to it. I say, you know, I can't take no credit for what God has done. Even to this day, as a pastor, people look at me a lot of times and say, Pastor, you think you got you to be all together, man. And I'm saying, if you only knew. <laughs> a lot of what I'm doing is just, I'm just hearing what I feel is God and try my best to be obedient to that. Sometimes you miss it. Sometimes, you know, you don't always listen. Sometimes you do what you want to do and, and the results don't come out right. Sometimes God have mercy and blesses it anyhow. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I've had a whole lot of that. God yeah. blessing my mess. Like, thank you for bailing me out. I <laughs> so I think that's a part of it. I think it's good spiritual or business. Oh, yes. You have to follow that. You have to follow that leading and that God is leading you to do because it will never lead you wrong. No matter how difficult it will be, trust that. And um, it may be a journey and a process, but it'll work out for your good. It's worth going through. It's my first sermon. You know, it's, it'll, be, it'll be worth going through. Definitely. Yeah. And one of the last questions that we usually ask people is how do they spread abundance? But I think out of the 2,500 members that you have, <laughs> And everybody who knows you, they, they see it every single Wednesday, every Sunday, every outreach program, they see it. You've uh, helped uh, give away a, a million, was it a million pounds? A million pounds, over, over, a, mi over a million pounds. Over a million pounds of food. Yeah. Uh, you provided water during the uh, water crisis. The water crisis. Yes. Uh, you, you 
preach the word every single Sunday and every single Wednesday. You spread abundance in so many ways. So in this point, I kind of want to ask the question a little bit differently. How do you think that um, we as a community could actually give back to each other or spread abundance to each other? Like what's one of the things that if you could just wave a magic wand and see um, people actually spread abundance, what would be that main way that you want them to do that? Well, I would tell people, you know, you all know that our theme for this year is you the poor. That our focus this year is not to get, but how can we pour and be a blessing in giving to someone else? And I think it all starts with the mentality. I always see myself when I'm doing work in ministry as a servant. I really do. I try to keep it before me. I never try to get in the flesh. And I have to pray sometimes to get my flesh back in check. Hey, man, about you, boy? Get back in order. You know what I'm saying? I'm a servant. So as I preach, I preach as a servant. I'm here to serve the people. I'm here to give them all I got. I don't want to cheat them. God never cheated me. I want to give them my best. I want, I want to reach them. I'm always looking at people's eyes to see, are they getting this? If they're not on the spot, I'm thinking, how can I get them to get this? And even in the outreach, all of that comes from figuring out my head mentally that we're called to be a blessing. God has blessed our church in an unusual way. What God has done at Faith Movers is very unusual. Yeah. I tell pastors all the time, don't try to compare what God did here to us. This is very unusual. It's, it's only God, not even me. It's God's favor. And so I want to be a steward of that. So I know that I'm blessed in order to be a blessing. And I try to teach people that. But if each person would just think like that, I'm a servant. I'm not called here to be served, but I'm called to serve. Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is he or she who serves. So I want to always be a servant and figure out how can I pour into somebody else. And just imagine this. If people woke up every morning with this mentality, who can I bless today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I surprise today and do something good for them? Or just to say, what knowledge do I have that I can pour into somebody else, a family member, a friend, a coworker? How can I tell them something that they may not know that God has blessed me with that knowledge to import, to be able to pour to the next person, the next generation? I think if we all do that, we, we immediately have a better world because Absolutely. it shifts from being about us. See, our society is about me, myself, and I. What can I get? I want more, more, more. Let's kill that. Let's make it about how can I serve and be a blessing to others. And that's what I love about you all, that you all get it. You know what I'm saying? You get the fact that I want to be a good entrepreneur because I want to build opportunities with other people. I want to help other people. I want to bless other people. And that's what I love about you all. Just, just continue to do what you're doing. Just stay right there. Keep that mentality because at the end of the day, God blesses and that favor I'm talking about, it stays around people with that mentality. If you want to lose the favor of God quick, make something about you. You know, make it about your selfishness, what you can get, it'll go quickly. As long as you keep it about people, God's grace and favor will always be on your life. So I think it's the big thing. See yourself as a servant and be willing to serve. Absolutely. And I love that you all got that. Once again, I just, I'm so proud of you all. You all are doing great things. Entrepreneurs, you're holding it down for the millennials. I love that because I believe it's our time. I do. I believe yes. the time is changing. We have to step up. Sooner or later, this world is going to be in our hands. Yeah. And uh, we got to, you know, we're coming, on some, we're coming on the shoulders of a lot of people who held it down. So now is our time. So I love seeing that in you all. And, and you all do a great balance with the spirituality and entrepreneurship. You know, you don't forget that need to get filled up so I can go back into the world to represent Christ and to be as 
successful as possible so I can be a blessing to myself, my family, and other people. I just love that about you all. And I was just so honored to be here today. Thank you all for allowing me to be here today. It was, it was, I really enjoyed it. I no really problem. Was Thank you so much. And this yeah. was truly a great episode. This is like absolutely my favorite episode. Yeah, hopefully I didn't talk too much. I <laughs> no, got, no, it, no, it got good, good. to me. It um, got good. So for the people that like love you already after listening to this episode, um, where can they find you? Where can they find the church? Well, uh, we are in University Park, and of course, Faith Movers Church, um, 425 Exchange Street, University Park. Our website is faithmovers.org. And of course, we're all over social media. So on Facebook, just type in Faith Movers Church, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, my name, Moses Herring. Um, I'm also on social media. And um, you can always come here on any service that we have on any time relates to church. We meet on Sundays at 8 and 11, and on Wednesdays from 12 noon to 7.30, so you got a lot of opportunities to come get the word, try to be relevant, you know, we try to have fun. I believe you can serve God and have fun at the same yeah. time, so <laughs> we try to have fun, try to be relevant and practical, so I believe if somebody come to Faith Movers, I think when they feel the love of the people, I think they can get a relevant word, and they can be given um, an opportunity to be able to use their gift and serve. I think you can't beat that in church. You know what I'm saying? Get yeah, people you can right. love and feel like, hey, what's yeah, up? Good to sure. see you. Yeah. You can get a good, encouraging, motivational word. And then you have opportunity to go and serve and use your gift to bless others. That's my that's my paradigm. So I like to keep it right there. And so welcome anybody to come out, hang out with us. I believe you'll be blessed. Absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you all so, so much. much. Thank you all so much. <laughs> I enjoyed it. it was, I had a ball. I had a ball. <laughs> Yes. So that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you got as much value out of this as we did. Keep in mind, the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback. So remember to rate and review this episode. Also, you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information. So be sure to subscribe and share as well. Stay tuned for the next episode. And remember to always spread abundance. Peace.